This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, all along with Bruce Marshall of uh, VegasInsider.com, of CBS Sportslot.com, of BAMSports.net and forever with the uh, the formerly with the gold sheet. So, Bruce, let's get right into it as we look into this busy schedule of college football this uh, this week. And uh, interesting game, cross-divisional game in the SEC. A&M had a chance. They had the team, and they certainly had the opportunity. Ball with the lead, and then Max Johnson throws the ball off his back foot and changes the game. They lose a tough one to Alabama and probably miss out there at their last opportunity to win the West as they will go to non-divisional play in all likelihood in the SEC next year. They go to Rocky Top now, Tennessee. Milton is as advertised. He is hit or miss. He'll make some throws, and he will miss a lot of throws as well. He's not Hendon Hooker. Vols three and a half at home against the Aggies after that tough defeat. Yeah, and you know we talk about scheduling a lot, Jimmy. And um, in this spot here, you got Tennessee coming off a bye week there and A&M off of a gut punch loss there. And like you said, everything what you said there, it's a game they thought they could win. Chance to finally beat Alabama. They did beat them a couple years ago, but a chance to really take a big step to winning the West. And they let it slip through their fingertips last week against uh, the Crimson Tide at uh, Kyle Field. I sort of wish I could have been a fly on the wall in the uh, the team, the coaches' meetings this week at uh, in College Station, and hear what um, what Jimbo might have had to say to Bobby Petrino after the game last week. Something like, "Bobby, I thought you told me you could protect the quarterbacks better." Something like that, because Max was under enormous pressure last week, and that you know thrown off his back foot, and Alabama's defensive front really controlled the second half of that game. Here's the problem this week for AM that I see it. If there's one thing that Tennessee can do. It's with that cheetah defensive look with the front seven on defense, which is like a relay track relay team, really fast. It's maybe the fastest uh, front defensive front in the country. They lead not only the SEC, but the nation in sacks. They're going to be in Max's face again. And we've talked about it before. Max is not the most mobile quarterback. So Tennessee, I think fundamentally that's not a bad matchup. We'll see about Joe Milton. Uh, but what Tennessee's doing this year is running the ball a lot better. I mean, they rank seventh nationally, 231 yards per game rushing. Milton's contributed to some of that. He had an 80-yard run a few weeks ago. And you're right, he's been kind of hit and miss passing, but signs are getting a little bit better maybe for him. And again, the week off coming into here, the scheduling thing makes it look uh, good for Tennessee here. And um, uh, with, with the, the, the fundamentals with that uh, defensive front to give Max Johnson problems. I think Tennessee gets them here, and I would watch this A&M situation really close. We always thought this Jimbo thing with Petrino might unravel at some point. Maybe not yet, but it might have been the seeds planted for it last week. I'm taking right, Tennessee, Tennessee in this one. T- Tennessee minus the three and a half against the Yankees. I'll be fair, too. Listen, uh, he was under a lot of pressure. so But 
Um, it's, uh, I'll be fair also, he might not be the most mobile, but he might be the least mobile. Get extra value this football season with Bet River Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet $10 in same game parlays on any game with the Squares icon to earn a square. Brought to you by our friends at Bet Rivers. All right, let's go to Troy and Army. We're going to West Point. One of the best settings in all of college football. If you haven't been to Mackey State, help me up. Mackey, Mechie, help me. Mikey. Mikey. Jeez, Bruce, I've been there. The Hudson River, it's great. It's an awesome setting. Troy on the road going up to West Point, though. Five-point favorites against Army. Yeah, I've, I've been there, too. It is one great place. And, um, and we'll see how Troy handles it uh, this week. Uh, Troy is putting some things together. A little bit of a bumpy start this year, but... You know, last year, this this team was a real revelation for um, uh, John Summel. He came back. Detroit had been there. They went to Kentucky as defensive coordinator, came back. And, uh, man, they were flying last year. And down the stretch, uh, they were winning. And uh, they entered this season with the second longest win streak in the country behind uh, George. They did take a couple of hits early, like we said, a couple of close losses. But they have got it back together last week against um, against Arkansas State, 37-3. to Kamani Vidal, remember that name, one of the top rushers in the country. He's closing in on 1,000 yards already, and we're just uh, to mid-October, and he was over 1,000 yards last year. Watson, the quarterback, is back from last year, and Summel's defense kept Army in some check last year. It was only 10-9 last year. They, that's one of the few games they didn't cover in that win streak. We talked about Army in the summer, uh, Jimmy, with the change in offense. It's more of a, a, a spread option sort of this year. It's not the old flex bone. And they still run the ball. They just don't run it as much. I mean, they ranked 23rd in rushing this year. Last year, they were second. They run it about uh, three to one versus pass. Last year, it was about seven to one. But mostly, you know, the flex bone required team. It was such a, a unique offense. Opponents had to practice for it. Uh, for weeks leading up to it. They had to devote a, for, you know, a few minutes of uh, time each practice session in the weeks leading up to the game. Uh, this year, with this sort of an offense, you don't have to do that, although Army still is somewhat effective with what they're doing. Daily, their quarterback is a real dual threat, and that's what the uh, new offensive coordinator that um, Coach Monken brought in, uh, what he did at the lower level at Nebraska Kearney. But they're just it's not quite the same offense as it was last year. Not that they're, they're worse. Uh, they're, they can still do some things. And a close loss to BC last week, that was a real gut punch that Army took. But I think Troy's got it going together, going now. And they're winning, and they're starting to cover some games again. And uh, I like what uh, Vidal is doing running the football. And it's a little bit different playing Army this year. I think Troy should be able to go up there and win. So I'm going to take Troy. I'm going to ride these guys for a while, Jimmy. Let's go with the Trojans up there at Mikey at West Point. It's more of a pistol with which Army's running this year, but it's still yeah. a lot of option principles. But right. uh, they're starting quarterback daily with 73 attempts. That's, you know, 14 and a half uh, attempts a game. That's more than what we've seen, you know, the previous oh, years, yeah. you know, in the Army. Yeah. So it's probably about twice as much as we've seen. And you know what? They've connected uh, on some of those plays. Certainly the, yeah. the long win against Syracuse uh, to backdoor it or put it on the number, whatever. But only six TDs to four interceptions, the touchdown interception rate. Like you, that's fine. You want to try and adjust to it. But first, I, I, I watch Air Force. And they're still running triple I I don't see anything different oh, yeah. from Air Force. And nope. they got a shot to run the table. So yeah. uh, we will see. Let's move on to Corvallis, Oregon, and Oregon State. But uh, Pac-12 has been some really good games this year. UCLA, one of the more deceiving uh, scores, despite UCLA winning and covering fairly easily. Uh, I hear some people say, well, you know, UCLA got that running game going against Washington State. 
if you have to defend 94 snaps, they're going, you're going to wear down. 94 snaps. The Washington State defense was on the field. This was, uh, this was worse than the game. The uh, 95-yard pick six to uh, end the first half basically made it 9-3, a 10-9 game. But uh, now they go to Oregon State, and they're a line of scrimmage team. DJU, he makes some throws. He will miss some throws. He just don't know what you're getting from play to play with him. But this is two line of scrimmage. I'm, I'm a big believer in this UCLA defense. So they are legit. Oregon State, 4-55. and 55. You're more interested in the total here, Bruce. Yeah, that 55, that looks like a real mountain to climb here. And, and you're right about UCLA. Listen, I've been watching UCLA since the 60s. Uh, this is the best defense they've had since mid-'80s when okay. Ken Norton Jr. and Carnell Lake were there and some of Terry Donahue's better uh, teams when Bob Field was coordinating the defenses. They are fast. And we talked about Tennessee's defensive front being fast a minute ago. UCLA is right up there, too. Defensive stats are a top-five defensive team nationally. They bring a lot of heat. Washington State has got a high-powered, jet-powered offense, and they could not get much going last week. You're right. UCLA took care of most of the snaps, and they are physical. Try to get in the way of Carson Steele. I dare any defender to do that. I mean, this guy is a wild man running the football, and uh, Oregon State's going to be tested there. But Dante Moore, the quarterback, you know, you know, he's channeled his inner Jameis Winston from 2019 uh, with the Bucks uh, the last uh, two games. A couple of pick sixes. That one was almost disastrous last week, right before halftime. So he has a little bit of that deer in the headlights look. And Oregon State really is a rugged defensive unit. Now, I know that game against Cal got going back and forth last week. Um, and Cal starting the, uh, the, the freshman quarterback. This is going to be a totally different sort of game. It's going to look more like Oregon State and Utah a couple of weeks ago that was 21-7. to And uh, UCLA last week going well under against Washington State as well. 55 looks like a big total for me. DJU, you're right. He's been a little hit and miss. They're going to try to run the ball too if they can uh, with Martinez uh, and Fenwick. Uh, 55 looks pretty high to me. So I'm looking for this game to be played in the 20s, uh, low 20s perhaps. And uh I'm looking under definitely in Corvallis uh, this week. Dante Moore is going to be a, a, a fine down the road, but right now he is, you know, he's a true freshman. I mean, he is, I mean, yeah. he's playing like a true freshman, but he shows you some talent sometimes. He really, and keep in mind during that game, and I watched every snap because that was my biggest play on UCLA, unranked team favored over a ranked team. Um, it's the only thing the rankings are good for uh, these days. But the thing is, they threw the ball 40 times, Bruce. That running game did not get going till the end when uh, Oregon State, me, I'm sorry, uh, Washington State's front wore down. This is a this is not an explosive offensive team. He's his biggest targets are to the tight ends. That's the safer throws, the easier throws. But they're also careful with him because he can make the big mistake like he did uh, right before half. I love the under uh, as well, but just just good football. In the Pac-12. I mean, really good games. Yeah, and yes, I am the one guy with the Pac-12 network that watched that, that doubleheader with Coach Prime a little bit after. UAB. Now, we criticized Trent Dill for a little bit, and his team went down to Yeoman Stadium, gave Tulane all they could handle. Tulane had to hit a fourth down touchdown late in the game to keep UAB AB from getting a possession in a one-score game late. And then they take care of business again. Are they getting better? They travel to San Antonio, one of the more disappointing teams of the season. UTSA, when Frankie, um, uh, Frankie's seventeenth uh, year of eligibility, um, but it just hasn't been. Something's missing 
this year with the Roadrunners. UAB's catching 10 at San Antonio. Well, if politicians are allowed to change their mind, then so can I, all right? <laughs> uh, and I will give Trent Dilfer um, his props here. I was very critical of that hire, and I didn't like some of the things. I, I, that was a real out-of-left-field hire, and some of this, the staff he put together. But, um, listen, it's not Dilfer's fault. He's only been coaching a few years. Maybe he's got a knack for this stuff, and he is a smart offensive guy. And you can tell watching UAB offensively, you know, um, it, it, it wasn't just a two-lane game. The week before, they were actually they didn't play too badly at Georgia, and they're pretty good. Um, and last week, I mean, USF, and I was wrong on this one. I mean, USF had no chance to slow them down. UAB had over 300 yards in the first quarter last week. And, and uh, Jacob Zeno, the quarterback who had come over from Baylor, um, so he's played, he's played um, at, at Power 5 football, and, and he was there last year. He is loving this year. It's a full-throttle offense, and they really spread the field. They run. They run up-tempo, and they got it cooking there pretty good. And 56 points, they could have had more last week. Uh, UTSA, now, now Harris has missed some time this year. He did come back, and you're right, he is in his 17th year, it seems like, of eligibility. Uh, they barely got there against the spread against a bad Temple team last week, but it was not easy, and uh, they just barely got there. That was their first spread cover of the year. They had been, this has been a very disappointing run. They've already lost some games. We talked about Army a second ago. Actually went to San Antonio and won when Harris was out. So I, I, I worry a little bit about a veteran team like this that has had all these high hopes, and uh, a lot of them dashed already early in the season. Yeah. They're talking about being the, you know, the uh, group of five uh, rep in the New Year's Six. That's not going to happen. Um, Harris is back, but I'll tell you, UAB looks very dangerous to me, and uh, the Roadrunners have been kind of underachieving uh, this season uh, pretty big time, especially against the number. All right, I'm going to change. I'm going to go with UAB here. I'm going to ride him, and uh, I can do that. And uh, every week is a new week, and now I'm sort of on the UAB bandwagon. So here we go. Go with the Blazers this week. Yeah, uh, Texas San Antonio expected to be a little bit better than 2-3 and three, uh, at this point. All right, let's get to a big one in South Bend. Prime time again, and... Boy, uh, and listen, some people act like these schedules are made, you know, uh, uh, in college football uh, four months in advance. No, these are years and years uh, before. And to give Notre Dame's athletic director a little bit of uh, 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 – offer some perspective here. No way you can uh, envision years ahead Duke and Louisville is going to be that tough. Yeah, I'm going to envision Brom's going to leave Purdue and the whole thing. I'm going to envision that Duke's got, uh, you know – uh, 22 out of 24 juniors and seniors on there too deep. You know, the whole shebang, Riley Leonard. I mean, it's a great – but uh, this schedule has been tough. And the Dublin trip will be – they will have some second thoughts and look at the rest of the uh, rest of the schedule before they make that trip without a break in between. This has been a gauntlet. But the million-dollar question, Bruce, was – that the exhale spot in Louisville last week, will they have more in the tank this week? Or is just they're still uh, they're still on empty. Notre Dame, two and a half and sixty-three at home, primetime, seven thirty Eastern kick against USC. Well, remember they had uh, Ohio State right before Duke and Louisville, and so and that one was as, as big a gut punch as you could get. I mean, the last play of the game losing. Uh, I'm Convinced maybe this would have been a little different for Notre Dame if they had won that Ohio State game. 
Uh, but now about all they've got left in this season is to beat USC. All the hopes of uh, you know New Year's Six and all that are probably gone, but this this still means something uh, for Notre Dame. Hartman's numbers have, have, have dropped some in the last few weeks. The uh, esteem is not running the ball as effectively. Oh, they did the last play against Duke, he certainly did, but uh, the offense has had some troubles the last couple of weeks, and you're right, they did look a little flat last week against Louisville, but uh, they have beaten USC five straight times at home, and I watched USC late last week against uh, Arizona. They were very fortunate to survive. It's, it's you know, a couple of things. One, uh, Caleb Williams, yeah, we know we know he's good. He's getting more calls than Michael Jordan did at the start of his career. You can't touch this guy in the pocket. They're going to throw a flag. I'm not sure that's going to happen in, in South Bend, though. But the bigger problem for USC is this defense. They just don't tackle Jimmy. They have you it. Know, uh, they haven't for years. I mean, my wife was even watching the game with me last week, and she said that she goes, El Cordobes, because she's from Spain, and that Matador, Torito, Matador defense. I mean, that's what they do. And um, it's and I think what it comes down to, Alex Grinch, he's like he's an analytics defensive coach, and he's a good recruiter, and his schemes are fine. Fundamentally, though, he just doesn't teach these guys how to tackle. They just don't. They're one of the worst tackling teams in the country. And that's why you see all these wild score lines with USC. And that was the backup quarterback in there for Arizona last week doing all that damage. Uh, the total here this week in the, in the low 60s, I think that's too low. And especially since USC, oh, by the way, 13-1 and one to the over, last 14 since uh, midway last season. So this has been an over machine. We know Caleb, this team's scoring 50 points per game. They might not get 50 this week. Uh, but they're not slowing anybody down either. The back-to-back games, overtimes helped a little bit last week, but over 40. Arizona State, not potent, uh, was moving the ball consistently the week before that. Uh, Notre Dame's going to do some business here. So is Caleb. He always does. So over the total, once again for USC, that's the way to look in this one against the Irish in South Bend. Yeah, they've been un- unbelievable. And listen, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal, uh, his second offense, uh, a repeat offender with the uh, the kneel down, the Joe Pasarczyk play. But uh, there was some 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 gaffes. Uh, Jimbo uh, in College Station, Loxley in Columbus. He had the Buckeyes on the ropes. He was awful uh, in that game. Go back and check. I know we were overshadowed by the game of the year in OU and Texas, but also Arizona. And Bruce, I don't want to be result oriented. You go for two at the end of the game, well, and you, and you miss it. You know, people criticize. It's very result oriented to go for two or not to decide the game uh, at the end. Uh, but in overtime as well. The but what is what is the the, the three touchdown favorite want you to do? They want to extend the play. They don't want to go down to one play. And not right. only that, do you want the game decided on one play against USC's offense or their defense? Yeah. Give me one shot with that defense. Yeah. So well, Jed Jed Fish is regretting he didn't go for two uh, when they. Had, you know, in the first possession of overtime there. Um, and this guy's done a nice they, job. They, he's done a nice job in Tucson, you know? Yeah, and they converted a two-point conversion to get the thing to 28-28, too. So I totally agree with you there. And uh, by the way, NFL happened, Washington against Philadelphia a few, a few weeks ago, too. Ron Rivera had a chance at the end to win the game, took it to overtime, and they lost. So I agree with you totally. You're an underdog on the road. Go for it. Phillies, uh, yeah, Phillies uh, defense a little bit better than USC's. That's the only thing. This USC <laughs> defense, I mean, give me, yes, a flip of the coin play with that defense is not a flip of the coin. I mean, right. 200 yards rushing, 300 yards passing. Pay attention what's happening in the game. 
It's uh, Bruce Marshall's with us, with us each and every week with his college football best bets. For Bruce Marshall, I'm Jimmy Ott here in the Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.